to the B Fox and B Frank show. Our long national nightmare is over. Purdue is no longer the number one team in America. Alabama is taking on that mantle for now. Uh, first time in, I think, close to or not actually 20 years that Alabama has been the, the top ranked team in the land. Well deserved. Playing good basketball is Nate Oates' squad, but it has been a revolving door at the top this year. Um, as we get into our winners, I, I mean, we are Alabama, impressive, good for them. Um, winning at Auburn, I, I think, carries a little bit more weight in years past than this year, although that was a raucous environment on Saturday. Yeah. But I I would like to start with a, a team that we've talked about for the last several weeks, but they just keep stacking wins, and that is the Creighton Blue Jays. They mm-hmm. are... They're doing the damn thing, and they're doing it really well on the defensive side of the floor. We've talked a lot about them offensively, their strength. Greg McDermott, great offensive coach. Um, but defensively on this uh, this eight-game win streak, they've been locked in. That was on full display against UConn as well, um, just really forcing UConn to become a jump shot shooting team, which they not able to do well as a result, could not get to the free throw line to get some free points on Creighton. Kalkbrenner, we've talked about his defensive prowess, just kind of drawing the tough assignment of Sanogo, forcing him into 17 points, but 17 shots to do it is something they'll, they'll take every time and just grinding out a a win in the fifties, which is not really something historically that I think we've, expected from a Creighton team they're always just so offensively focused but this year especially I think the the pieces have really been in place you know they're metrically they're a better defensive team than on the offensive side of the ball which I think is is such a rarity but Mm -hmm. this is a big part of why they've been able to to capture the form that uh, they they started to show at the end of last year yeah they we're, like you said, they were rounding into form to close the season last year. They finished in the top 20 in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency. Right now, they're sitting at 12th, I believe. Um, they're right in the top 10 in terms of Ken Palm ratings there. Like you said, they, they did a great job defensively, not necessarily even muddying the game up, but just force, forcing UConn into shots they didn't want. And I think... Uh, Greg McDermott even said it during one of the timeouts. They're they're shooting the shots we want them to take, and if they make them, like we'll we'll live with it. But for the most part, you're going to get what you want, and that's what they did. The bigger story right now to me is that Arthur Kaluma was bad. Like he was just bad against UConn. He is one of their best players. He is a legit NBA prospect. He had he was zero for six from the field, two points, three turnovers, six rebounds. Um, he really struggled in this game against UConn. I don't, I don't even know necessarily that it was like the the length of UConn's defense or whatever it was, but he he has quietly not played well in the last three games, and they have won all three. They are finding ways to continue to to win these games without their best players. Trey Alexander is just an all world player when Jim Jackson is on the call. That that is just what what's going to happen. He was outstanding and made some ridiculous shots in this game but they are balanced they have depth 
uh, when they need it at the, at the right positions. Frederick King can provide a good jolt off the bench. Mason Miller has really played well in the last couple of games. Um, they, they've got what they need to make a run. They're starting to play their best basketball at the right time of year. They're in the hunt for the Big East title. I don't think anyone would have expected that after they started conference play three and three, and yet here they are. Yeah, it's, it's almost all evened out at this point, the, the lengthy losing streak they went on um, near the end of non-conference and now making yeah. up for that in conference play. Um, but again, as we, we've kind of spoken about the last few weeks, not a team you want to face early in the tournament. They're playing their way into, you know, a, a top five seed potentially. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, preseason we might have thought, expectations a bit higher than that but considering where they've been i think they would they would certainly take that um at this point who is a uh, another winner from last week for you it's got to be the northwestern wildcats unfortunately knock off (laughs) knock off number one at a uh raucous per our sideline reporter john hayes uh welsh ryan arena in evanston for that game uh, really, they just made plays when they needed to force Purdue to get sloppy towards the end of the game, and it really uh, was not like they they were the better team throughout that game. I think, and uh, another game like you mentioned uh, with Creighton and UConn played in low scoring. This is how Northwestern has to win it. They have to muck up the game. They have to. Uh, keep it low scoring. They they held Purdue to 58 points. Edie had 24 of those 58. Uh, Boo Booey volume scorer, but 26 points will get the job done in this case. Their bigs played well, I think is the biggest thing to take out of this game. They doubled the post really effectively, and we've seen teams do that against Zach Edie pretty often. Almost, almost exclusively against this Purdue team, and he is a, a really good passer out of those double teams, was not the case in this game. Had six turnovers uh, and really struggled with the Northwestern defense. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot to break down from this game. So uh, defensively, like you were saying, the double teams coming for, from Edie, I, one of the things I thought Chris Collins did really well is almost like a defensive coordinator in football disguising coverages. He kept bringing the double from different parts on the floor. So Zach Eady was never really able to get comfortable, always kind of looking over his shoulder. Where's the second defender coming from that leads to turnovers. And I mean, they, they had a good start to the season, but like we are reminded more and more Purdue's guards are freshmen. Like they're right. They they are, they are really not that good. Um, They, they had the opportunity of course, to grow and become more consistent, better in their careers. They're just not very good um, objectively, like especially compared to a lot of these veteran teams in the Big Ten. And to his credit, on this uh, good run that Northwestern has been on, Boo Booey has been much more efficient from the field. Still not really a good three-point shooter, but slashing has been very effective. 19 points on just 10 shots against Ohio State. Not as quite, Not quite as efficient from the field, but... I will take Boo Booey shooting over 40% from the field. Um, you know, not the highest bar, but for him, that's that's progress. He, he did that at yeah. 26 against Purdue. Um, Chase Audish has kind of been struggling. He had a, a good stretch run to help Northwestern come back. Um, but, I, I mean, on this run that they've been on, it's, it's really been Boo Booey leading the charge. The defense has been solid all year. And, 
yeah, they they look like they will more than likely make the tournament for the second time in program history. Yeah, saving Chris Collins. He was a man on the hot seat for sure. Coached like it through certain parts of the season, no doubt. Uh, Boo Booey, just to close the loop on him. Great at getting to the line. Really effective free throw shooter. That is where he succeeds, as you mentioned, his slashing to the rim. That has been something that he's done incredibly well throughout the season. Uh, eight, excuse me, 90 for 102 from the free throw line. Just really exceptional numbers for him overall. Uh, and that's where he and Northwestern are at their best. He has basically one-fourth of Northwestern's total free throw attempts this season. Yeah, um, and as you said, John Hayes was there um, in Purdue gear. People people noticed Traitor. that. Uh, <laughs> um, on Sunday, I... I think I waited too long to get tickets. I was considering going since Indiana is going uh, Wednesday for the battle for second place. Who knows? I may still splurge, but um, this is Indiana is another winner for me. Yeah. Just the, this part of the schedule is like, I know the, the big 10 is a lot of it is mid, but really rising to the occasion in the quote unquote tougher part of the schedule, obviously eight of nine wins overall. This last stretch, they've got four games in a row that were against either Purdue alone in first or teams tied for second place. They're three and zero, and the fourth game is coming um, against Northwestern for um, mm -hmm. you know winner gets second place all alone. And I mean Purdue is not as far away as as they used to be, but I, I mean just a, an exceptionally great week, week and a half to be a hater, beat Purdue. Um, Beat Rutger um, finally for, for the first time in a while. Uh, Paul Mulcahy, still a scumbag piece of shit. Um, Can't confirm. I, have, I, you know, like just the, the reaping sowing tweet um, when you try to just blatantly trip TJD and then end up. Which is like the fourth time in yeah. the last two years he's been caught trying to do this kind of shit. Yeah, you know, he's 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 thrown punches. That's why I always laugh the he's the fucking uh I don't know if he's like a, a Jersey guy or Rutgers beat writer, like Jerry Carino or something. He um, he does uh he's like the New Jersey paper overall. He's a big Seton Hall guy. Gotcha. Cause he, he like always tries to antagonize um Indiana. Um which I mean, I get it. It's it's the job, whatever. Um, yeah, but the man sells he, clicks. Like yeah, he, he, he'll be the first to tell you. He he sells clicks. He he did a piece with uh, one of the Crimson Quarry guys I used to work with, just kind of humanizing him. And Rutger people did not like that at all. Um, <laughs> but uh, that like at the end of the first half when they went on their run, it's like you know Rutger coming back. Can Indiana take a punch? historically doesn't seem like it. it's like yeah paul mulcahy he throws them they connect sometimes it is yeah. what it is uh yeah. but yeah that was uh that was great you, you know you reap what you sow but uh yeah, yeah he's a big big fraudulent but yeah. indiana it's indiana's fatal flaws is pretty obvious you know just very weighted heavily on the production of Trace Jackson Davis, Jalen Hood, Shafino. Uh, I think they had 49 of the 62 points in the win over Michigan. So if those guys aren't clicking, going to be in trouble. But, uh, I mean, Trace Jackson Davis is playing, I think, at worst. 
uh, you know, top three best player in the country. Um, just yeah. this, this stretch has been incredible, and it's it's just been remember some guys every every game. It's like the first guy to get these, or the only other Power Five player to get these career numbers since like Nick Collison at Kansas, and then there's mm-hmm. there's a new Big Ten guy every week. I think uh, Mike Woodson is going to be the next guy he passes in the all time scoring ranks at Indiana. So I'm sure they'll have fun with that. But yeah, it's uh. It's been nice to go on a, a winning streak in Big Ten play. I really don't want to jinx it, but might finally finish with a winning record in the Big Ten for the first time since Tom Crean. And that's just a super depressing stat, but that's that's where we are. Great way. I mean, you, you look at a guy like Hunter Dickinson, who is expected to be one of the best returning bigs uh, in a year filled with good big men, especially in the Big Ten. He goes for 16 and 7, TJD 28 and 11 with three assists. Uh, he is playing at a completely different level. It is him. Him and Zach Eady are really playing as the best big men in the country. Sheboy continues to do things, obviously. Uh, there are a bunch of other great players throughout the country, but it the spotlight shines much brighter on those two because of the fact that it is a in Indiana, a basketball state, it is two big programs with Purdue and Indiana, and it's a rivalry. Like you see those guys go at it twice a year; it's fun, and uh, like that—that's what everyone loves. You know, t- just remember though, college basketball is not about the storylines; it's it's about no. the games. No one and ever sir, does that. I mean, if if Kentucky manages to play its way into the tournament, which is looking like a longer shot. Yeah. Um, at this point, I know there's going to be a scenario where they're going to be one of the first four, uh, last four in, play-in game, winner gets Indiana in a 12-5 game. That's just going to happen, but it's not about the storylines. Uh, the Never. one thing, the one, the one thing I will say about Indiana that's kind of a complaint. Uh, if you look at any shot quality charts, um, Indiana takes the highest qualities threes uh, by a margin. Uh, wide margin because Mike Woodson knows balls ball uh, checkmate haters Freudian slip there, but uh, <laughs> I want, I just want them to shoot more. Like sometimes shoot slightly worse threes. Uh, they shot six threes against Michigan. They only shot nine earlier um, in the year against Illinois. It's great that you're getting wide open shots, but like Miller Cow, don't be afraid to catch and shoot a little more. Um, right. Like, it's it's a numbers game, and when you're you're not shooting, like Trace can do some things, but you got to have other people around you that the defense sees as legitimate threats. Um, you got to stay aggressive. He's also not there to play defense. Like there's no. a there's a real reason that Miller Cop is on this team. It is no. not defense. Yeah. Um, all right. Who's uh, another winner for you? Got to give Vanderbilt a shout out. Jerry, Jerry's boys are, are playing some basketball. The buzzer beater win over Tennessee was exciting and astounding. And then they followed up dropping 88 points on Florida in, uh, in Gainesville. And 32 of those were scored uh, by Liam Robbins, a, a long forgotten name seemingly in the college basketball world. 32 points, 10 rebounds, four blocks. Great game, great battle with Colin Castleton, who somehow is still at Florida. I feel like he's been there forever. Uh, he had 25 and 11, but 
Vanderbilt is coming alive a little bit. They have won three in a row. Uh, they get South Carolina, who is certainly a team they can pick off. And then it's Auburn and LSU, two more teams uh, that they can beat. Auburn, very hit and miss this year. But if they, they win those three, you might have to start thinking about talking that Vanderbilt is a bubble team. But maybe, just maybe. They still do own a loss to Grambling. Uh, at home, they all the other losses though don't necessarily look that bad. There's work to do for sure. Um, yeah, but I mean, same record as Florida, and Florida's held up as a lot of teams good win. Um, yeah, against and then you know same SEC record as Arkansas, who I'm I'm still being told is a good basketball team. So take that for what it's worth. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the real Jerry world in. In Nashville, Tennessee, um, you know, more and people more people are, are saying this. Yeah. Um, unreal buzzer beater in the uh, in-state rivalry against Tennessee and, you know, following that up in what would be primed to be a letdown spot. Um, they, a good offensive performance in a road game. It's admirable. Um, it's, it's good to have headlines basketball focused and not – just sideline antics so we are yeah. we are looking at progress here um but yeah i mean it's it's been a little bit since vanderbilt was kind of a threat in the sec um not even like as a championship threat but just as you know in the conversation to make the tournament not a free win they certainly aren't right. this year um but yeah definitely trending in the right direction maybe maybe We'll run out of time before the end of the season. So they still do have work to do, but if nothing else, building some some great momentum going into the next year. And that like they have had more talented players than they have on this roster, but this is the best position they've been at uh, at this point in the season in quite a while. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I've got a couple of Big Twelve teams. Uh, first of all, Baylor. Um. You know, it seems forever ago that they started 0-3 in Big 12 play. They have won 9 of 10 since, including a road win um, over TCU, thanks to uh, Adam Flagler breakout game, 28 points in that win. The best offense in America, according to Ken Palm, is the Baylor Bears. Um, they have... Incredible guard plays. We, we've kind of talked about between Flagler, Cryer, George. Um, really difficult to to game plan against and defend. And Scott mm-hmm. Drew seems like he is back to being a good coach. Uh, it, was, yeah. it, was in, it was in doubt early in the season. Um, yeah, and start, really stumbled out of the blocks in uh, conference play. But they have been uh, playing great basketball for the last you know, month or so. They have. They their guard play is just so scary. Uh, when you look at getting Flagler back on track is huge. George only played twenty two minutes in this game, and they still found a way to win by four. Um, Cryer has been great all season long. He's been really efficient from the field, which is the most important part. Flagler had twenty eight in this game. They shoot the three well. They shoot the ball from the field exceptionally well. They get to the line. Uh, they don't necessarily turn it over. Their bigs are the concern. Like they're not going to dominate you on the glass, um, but 
when they're hitting, you know, almost 50% of their shots, you don't necessarily need that. So they play great defense still, but this is, this is a fun team that is just continuing uh, to get better as the year goes on. Yeah. That, I mean, if you said pretty much everyone has that uh, sort of fatal flaw, um, any, any right. contender and it's certainly Baylor's front court, like some of the better teams, that they've had under Scott Drew have really been elite physical front courts. Um, but I mean, it's, it's just not there this year. You, you would have liked, obviously if uh, Sohan didn't go be a lottery pick could have come back for another year would really fill a nice role on this roster. Um, but even mm-hmm. so, I mean, they're, they're a top 10 team with what they've got. So got to be pretty happy about that. Absolutely. Um, and then my last one, quick shout out to Kansas. Someone finally cooled off Texas. Um, they were able to to win that game and really defensively just kind of forced Texas to play a lot of one-on-one basketball. Didn't really run as many sets. I mean, they had 15 turnovers to just six assists, uh, so not really sharing the ball well. Kansas is another team uh, like Baylor where the bigs aren't really as much of a concern mainly due to the fact that they're so wing heavy. Um, but yeah, they, they're seeing a little bit more production out of the bigs. Um, it's, it's marginal, um, but anything you can get out of uh, Uda is, is pretty big. And he, he had a, a good performance against Oklahoma in the follow-up route. Um, you know, nice eight points off the bench, but Kansas is just kind of hanging around like they they've been right around that that top five back in the top five now um, and they're lurking they are this is the time of year where maybe the run comes uh, to get back into first place in the big 12 they're not there yet but thanks in part to this win over Texas and, and cooling off the hot streak that the Longhorns were on they're right back there um, and now the Longhorns start to to look over their shoulder a little bit. Yeah, right when you think Kansas could be out of it, they they get themselves back in with a big win. Um, Kevin McCullough is the X factor for me. I feel like he disappears too often in games, or has at least this season, for a guy of his ability and, and just his uh, experience level in the Big 12. He's played in some huge games previously at Texas Tech, uh, and now like too often we see him have these inefficient or no shows in, in some spots and it puts Kansas in a bind because you know what you're going to get for the most part out of Jalen Wilson. He's been great this season. Uh, Grady Dick has been up and down as you'd expect a freshman, but he's still an incredible shooter and, and can make plays. Harris more of a facilitator offensively. You need that second option. And I think McCullough was expected to be, that second option, I don't know that he's necessarily done it to the level that that everyone had hoped. But if he can keep sticking around in that, you know, ten point per game mark, he's got he'll help. Uh, but you just don't want to have to rely on Grady Dick to be the number two. Yeah, but I mean that's that's the reality right now, and big part of it's Grady Dick can shoot. Um, yeah, good over forty percent from three. McCullough is not going to touch that. Um, certainly hasn't so far this year. Um, but yeah, it's 
that that's really what makes Kansas a very difficult team to defend because you're going to be giving something up no matter how you uh, split up your defensive assignments between those three guys, McCullough, Dick, and Jalen Wilson. Someone is going to be in a mismatch um, yeah. more often than not. Um, there are really very few teams who could actually match up with three all three of those guys effectively. Um, so Kansas has been doing a good job taking advantage of those matchups a lot of times Dick has drawn the weakest defender. Um, so he, he's had some big scoring uh, scoring games this year. But, yeah, I mean, McCullough is the, the veteran guy coming over from, from Texas Tech, a, a team that desperately wishes it could have him and, and Terrence Chan and Junior back. But, right, yeah, I, it's Kansas's league still. We, we yeah. have this conversation more often than not in February. <laughs> Rinse and repeat. Um, I've got two quick shout-outs. I'm going to give a shout-out to the top of the SOCON. Three-way tie, really great battle between UNC, Greensboro, Samford, and Furman. Furman, a team that has just been perennially at the top of this league, uh, continues to play well. All 12-2, and two, excuse me, 12-2 and two in league play. Uh, 18-9 and nine for Samford and UNC, Greensboro on the season. Furman 21-6. and six. All teams are on four-plus game winning streaks right now. They all look really good, tons of fun uh, in this conference. And ho-hum, we've got a showdown to close the season. Uh, Furman heads to Samford on the 25th of February, just as we're getting ready. As we're getting closer and closer to conference tournament time. Uh, we've got that game, and then uh, – Samford plays UNC Greensboro on Wednesday. So a nice little uh, couple games in there to, to get the juices flowing for those fans that uh, aren't up to date on their Southern Conference basketball. No, they, uh, it's getting to that time of year. Yeah, the, uh, the Paladins have not made the tournament since 1980. Samford has not made the tournament since 2000. So someone... Could potentially be breaking a, a significant streak this year. Yes, that's what that's what we live for. That's what March is all about. It is. Um, so, losers. Uh, it in terms of overall pain, I think we have to start with Tennessee. Um, mm-hmm. Just it it can't really get any worse. Uh, no, back to back buzzer beating threes to ten, uh, to Vanderbilt. And Missouri, uh, the Missouri one stings a little less in terms of that's probably a tournament team. Um, right. Vanderbilt losing to an in-state rival. Um, but Tennessee was firmly in control um, of the Missouri game. And, I mean, for, for a good chunk of the Vanderbilt game, too. So, I mean, obviously you'd prefer to lose neither of these, but this is just – Tennessee, I think, is the clubhouse leader for me for most frustrating team in America because they should be so like their best is so good, uh, but now they're struggling to do that for a full forty minutes, um, and right, it does not bode well uh, as we get closer and closer to the end of the season. Um, I mean, the week that just preceded this was, you know a non-competitive loss to Florida and an unwatchable game in the forties um, that they did end up winning over Auburn. But I mean, 
it was like the equivalent of a moral loss. Uh, so yeah, I'm not seeing a lot from Tennessee right now that fills me with confidence that they can make the second weekend. Um, so this is a uh, so time for reflection and soul searching. They just don't shoot the ball well at all. <laughs> they are really poor uh, jump shooting team. They need to get to the rim in order to be effective offensively. They've like you mentioned, they've lost three of four right now. And this is probably what you'd say is the easier part of their schedule. This, this second half of sec play following the Texas game, which they won by double digits. They got the easier part of the sec grind. Uh, Missouri certainly is a, a tournament quality team. You've obviously got Alabama in there, but Kentucky is struggling. A&M is very average, like aggressively average. South Carolina is not great. Arkansas, I you said it. I, I agree with your t- your opinion there. People are telling me they're a good basketball team. I have yet to see it. Uh, and then they get Auburn again on the road. Like that should be not not a cakewalk, but that should be as easy as it gets in the SEC this season. Uh, and they were firmly in control of getting one seed. And now I think they're they're maxing out at a two assuming they can beat Alabama and avoid a bad loss. Yeah, Arkansas just got Nick Smith back and immediately lost to Mississippi State. So jury is is very much still out. Um, yeah. yeah, I like Tennessee is also kind of one of those teams where they don't really have a go-to guy. Like you've got six guys nope. basically averaging nine or more points per game, but your leading score, Viscovi, is at 12 a game. You're basically Wisconsin and not – not Johnny Davis, Wisconsin, um, like in a, in a tight game, I can trust Tennessee to get stops. I don't know if I can trust them to, to score in crunch time, which it is not really a new revelation per se, but right. I, I think more and more it's hard to believe in Tennessee in close games, um, which, you know, is not a position you want to be in when you are a team that can defend as well as they can um, still, just the the inability to to close out and and win some of these games is is certainly troubling. Um, but yeah, they they still defend at a really high level. They're going to be in all of these games. Just can they close? And I mean, that certainly didn't happen this past week. No, it it did not. Who is one of your losers from last week? My loser is the bubble. Uh, a lot of bubble teams picked up some losses this past weekend. Uh, New Mexico struggled on Friday. Uh, North Carolina has been struggling. Kentucky has been struggling. A&M, like I mentioned, aggressively average. Wisconsin stinks. Somehow they're on the bubble. I don't know how. Oregon has quietly worked their way into a bubble conversation, even though they have not played well this year. Seton Hall is horrible, and they are on the bubble as well. Uh, Charleston somehow behind all of those teams, according to uh, Joe Lenardi. I don't use his uh, use his bracket specifically for any other reason than to pick it apart and call him a bum. Uh, but that is that is where the bubble is at. Like it's, it doesn't look good. It's very weak. If you are considering a Wisconsin team to be one of the first two teams out of the field, I don't know what we're doing in terms of at large bids. Yeah, I I mean I I agree. It's uh there there are gonna be there are gonna be some bid thieves. So the comfort you can have is 
a lot of the teams in the first four out and next four out will be pushed further and further away. Um, mm-hmm. But that's the thing about the bubble. Uh, the, the teams are usually not good. And that's part of the reason why kind of trying to push as much as possible against expansion into 96 is like, right. We're, we're already having a mid off determining. It's like, should A&M or Oregon get in? It's like, we don't, we don't need to, to go too crazy and expand. Like, no one who's not in the tournament realistically could win the tournament. Um, right. It's just something coaches can use to, to get extensions, and that's why they're all lobbying for expansion. Uh, but like, Are you looking at last year's Xavier team and saying, oh, yeah, Travis Steele could have put this – well, I guess he was fired at this point, but like he probably wouldn't have been fired if there's an expanded tournament field and he gets in. Right. Like, Are, are, are they going to make a run? I highly doubt that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's someone will eventually have to win games, but yeah, we, we don't we don't know who is the it's a fun fun thing to figure out. But yeah, I, I think most of I think I like think the Arizona team, State is getting a mention as an yeah. at large team. Like, what are what are we doing here? I think the Big Ten is going to end up hovering probably around like eight teams because all of the teams that are not you know securely in are really playing their way out of it like like wisconsin like penn state like michigan um they're all kind of falling by the wayside so that should clean things up a little bit but yeah i mean like somebody's Mm -hmm. gonna someone has to want to get into the tournament as an at-large team so we'll we'll see who can do that over the, the last month or so of the season Uh, a a non bubble team, but just a, a mention again. Uh, Rutger, uh, put in my notes, sucks and is bad. Um, but they are Confirmed. just no vibes. Just a kind of footbally brand of basketball, and it works sometimes. It certainly does. It frustrates the hell out of teams to play against. Um, but back to back games: Indiana, Illinois. Tried to muck it up as much as possible. Got to 60 points, which is not necessarily a low number for them, uh, considering where their offense ranks nationally. But mm-hmm. it's it's just not consistent uh, winning basketball. I mean, just the, the gulf between defense and offense makes Tennessee look like nothing in comparison. Um, but it's it's just... I don't like it. Get it out of my face. Um, and I, I encourage Steve Peichel to, to move up and take a job somewhere else. That'd be great. I'd love for him to get out of town. Uh, bring back Eddie Jordan, please. Yeah. Um, they, like the Indiana game, they were buoyed in that game by Oscar Palmquist hitting three threes. Like, what is happening here? What What's going on? They need some guy every game basically to step up and hit a bunch of shots that they simply should not. Like without Moat Mag, they look a lot different offensively. It's ugly. It's predictable. Um, but that's kind of how they want to play. Like you mentioned, this is they, they don't want to win playing pretty basketball. They want to be a grinded out team. Uh, that that plays low scoring ugly games and that loses 45 43 to a bad seat and hall team that's what they want to do 
Yeah, Indiana in the, late in the first half just decided we're not going to guard three point shooters for some reason, and then yeah, it was they, frustrating. They, they hit like five in a row. Yep. Um, so like that's fine. Like Omari can be a good player inside. I do like Caleb McConnell's game, although he goes through some cold stretches. But like, if you're the type of team where you know your player gets called for a flop and doesn't even argue because he knows it was that egregious, then I I don't like you. I'm sorry. Um, and that, that's what happened with Andre Hot um, against the Hoosiers. And we, we've been over what Paul Mulcahy does on the basketball court. Spoiler alert, it is not basketball. So, yeah, uh, these are these are the things that sway the, the court of public opinion against you in what should be a nice upstart story for a basketball program that really has not seen much, if any, success. Um, but. This, this is the path you've chosen. So to do all this and also not win basketball games finds you on uh, the losers of the week list. Yeah, you should not. Cam Spencer is your second leading scorer. You're in trouble. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, who else do you have? I am going to throw the Big East up there. It, it's a good week if you want to talk parody, but some of the top teams losing to some of these other schools, not ideal. Uh, you've got Xavier and Providence both losing games that they should not have uh, this past week. Really uh, just a disgusting performance by Providence against a bad St. John's team that we've talked about. It was Bryce Hopkins with 29 points and everyone else really struggling. They could not buy a bucket. They're missing bunnies. They just were dominated throughout that game. Uh, did not look comfortable whatsoever. And I don't really think it had anything to do with the Johnny's defense. And then Butler uh, comes out with the shock and boat races Xavier in the first half to, to end up winning this game by two. Very interestingly, I'll say, uh, at the end there, and they, they end up getting the big win over number 13, Xavier, really muddying up the top of the Big East standings. We've got a fight. We've got a race here, a uh, four-team race to close out the season. Who's going to win the Big East championship? Marquette is in the driver's seat right now. Uh, they have half-game lead over Xavier and Creighton, who we mentioned earlier, and then Providence is sitting a game and a half behind. Yeah, Uh not a great week for officials, and I think, you know, yeah. as evergreen as that statement may be, especially not a great one between the Butler-Xavier finish, uh, the end of the right. Duke game. Um, yeah, not not great. Um, I, I think at this point, unless unless Providence can pull the, the mini upset over Creighton tomorrow or today as you're listening to this, Mm-hmm. I would I would almost remove them uh, from consideration. If they lose that game, they're they're not going to dig themselves out of that hole. I don't think. Agreed. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's like we saw how it worked wonders for Illinois. Is St. John's a better team without Andre Corbello? People are asking. It's <laughs> um, a great question. Yeah, it's like Xavier is another one of those teams where like. When the shots are, are falling and you know they're they're moving the ball around, everything looks beautiful. It it covers up a lot of the weaknesses, which again is just the defensive side of the ball. Um, Butler has really struggled with injuries. They have just not been good. Full stop to that sentence. <laughs> um, but period. They, I mean, he'll shoot fifty four percent from the field against Xavier, um, and this is. 
not necessarily a new trend. Like Xavier just they, they struggle to defend. They they have to outscore you. So if you're playing a game in the 60s, like you have held Xavier's offense to an output in the 60s, you've got a great shot. Um, mm-hmm. Xavier's it's it's easier said than done because they're a great shooting team. Everyone in their lineup is a threat to score. Most guys in that lineup can hit a jump shot as well, which makes it even more difficult, but you can score on them. Um, so that's, that's the fatal flaw we've known. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a very rough opponent for that to rear its ugly head against in, uh, in Butler, who is having a, a very forgettable year. Yeah. It, Norlin loves this stat. Uh, so hopefully he's listening and gets to hear it, but Butler has 13 losses this year. Only two of them are by single digits. They have been swept by, I think it's three, if not four Big East opponents, and the average margin of victory is something like 22 points in those games. For a time, they were everyone's get-right game. Like yeah. uh, I think UConn was one. Um, I know Purdue absolutely bodied them earlier in the year. Not really a get-right game, but just remembering the the blowouts that, that they have suffered. Um, yeah, it was Creighton, UConn, and then Seton Hall all bounced back yeah. with like multiple game win streaks following their, yeah. their game against Butler. Yeah, uh, but I mean, for for times in this game, it was like this. This is what kind of the vision of of Butler this year could be. You had, you had Manny Bates, a strong contributor, Lucocious Taylor, obviously having a a massive game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in a a bigger than usual role for him. Um, but yeah, some uh, some shenanigans at the end we can overlook for the the sake of this conversation. But uh, right. Yeah, like if you're if you're Sean Miller, like that's not a situation you should be in to begin with. Um, so it's it's hard to it's hard to get too up in arms at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've got Iowa State. Um, I yep. mean, pretty pretty consistent theme. Like for the most part, for for me at least, these are teams that can defend, but struggle to score um, certain points. Um, I mean, West Virginia and Oklahoma state, both still in contention uh, for tournament bids. Certainly uh, West Virginia, actually both of them, West Virginia and Oklahoma state have been playing pretty well recently. Um, but yeah, just the, the way that these games went down, it's like when Iowa state loses, they, they managed to look very ugly. Like, there are stretches where it, it looks like they just cannot hit a jump shot uh, to save their life. They shot, I believe, below yeah, 33 and 31% from three um, in both of these losses. And they're a team that, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know that they're much different than last year's version. I mean, maybe even worse on that side of the ball because they don't have Tyrese Hunter. It was a, it was a team that was... Yeah, fortunate to get to play Wisconsin in the second round, who is also an ugly basketball team, advanced the Sweet 16. Minus a perfect drive, a hard time seeing this team equaling that run. Um, I, I just putting forth a good offensive performance two games in a row seems like a lot to ask, especially away from Hilton. Um, you know, they. One of these losses was at Hilton, but yeah, in, in the tournament they're all going to be away from there. Um, and you know, we we have guys like Caleb Grill who shoot much much better 
at home um, than anywhere else. So yeah, this, this is a, again, it's a, it's a more with less uh, roster for Otzelberger again, but I think that's going to show once we get to the tournament. Yeah. It's, it's almost one of those scenarios where you just hope to God that, that Iowa state and Rutger don't keep falling. So it's not an eight, nine game that you have to watch and sit through because that would be just disgusting basketball. But yeah, I, the big 12 is tough. We we've said it many times in Oklahoma state, probably a team that should have been on the winner's list this week. They've won five in a row. They complete the season sweep over Iowa state, but the offense is just disgusting at points for this Iowa state team. Nine of 19 from the free throw line, 12 turnovers. They committed 23 fouls. Like when they're bad, they're bad. It's kind of, We've said this before, but it's Tennessee light. They can play defense. Their offense is not the best. Uh, and when it's bad, it's really bad. Yeah. And uh, I mean, kind of to your points, and you said earlier, let's not trust him. Lunardi's last bracket, which admittedly it was Friday morning, has Iowa State as a three seed, which is disgusting. It's not wrong. even close. And I don't... <laughs> yeah. Um, but. So they they still have a a long way to to potentially fall, um, but yeah, like if people are doing them favors like that, maybe they'll they'll have a better chance to advance. But I I see most teams being a, a problematic matchup for them, or most yeah. teams they would see in the round of thirty two. Agreed. Uh, and then lastly, Arizona, uh, mm-hmm. sort of Freaky Friday game, a lot of production out of the guards. Tubelis completely neutralized by Spencer Jones, who is a good player. No one cares, but he's he's been on my fantasy team all year. Um, but like, way to go, Arizona! Help help with the narrative here. Um, I was just spent last week, you know, talking about how Jared Haas is probably not going to get another year since Chicago State almost beat Stanford. You can't lose to Stanford right after that show. Um, does me no favors, yeah. but. We're we're gonna solve that by marking this as a more of a loss for Arizona than a win for Stanford. Um, just like that, that is bad. Like it, it's it's sort of encouraging that Arizona's guards can't have a game like this, but it's apparent that defensively the strategy was to shut down Tubelis, shut down Balo. Balo is pretty neutralized too, but Tubelis is clearly the focal point. Um, right. And yeah, it's from Arizona's perspective, it's troubling because it proves it can be done um, by an opponent of Stanford's caliber. And again, spoiler alert, there are higher caliber opponents out there who are probably running through this film very excitedly. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, it's a bad loss. No, no two ways around it. The trouble to me, even though they did shoot 40%, is taking 35 threes against a Stanford team that you should be dominating on the interior. Um, you got to find ways to get to Bellis and Ballow the ball in the positions that they are most effective, especially when they have been so good offensively this entire season for you. And when you get the guards going, like that should just open things up even more. So it's it's very surprising. Freaky Friday is like the perfect way to describe that game. Uh, but yeah, this is this is just a bad loss, plain and simple. 
yeah, it's can't let it become anything more than that. If you're Arizona, um, just there are not a lot of quality wins to to come by in the in the Pac-12, but there are a lot of a lot of bad losses to be had. Yeah. Any other losers on your end? That's all I had. All right, that's all I have too. Um, so nice and slightly quicker one this week. Um, and yeah, now that now if you heard the Super Bowl was yesterday, so there is truly no distractions for you. Um, you all should be consuming college basketball nightly as we are. But whether you are or aren't, just keep it keep it here every week. We will be able to break down what just happened the week prior, and we will see you next week to do that.